following is a presentation of the Retro Network. Do you remember when home video was in its infancy? The perfect video store is popping up all over the country. Do you remember the experience of renting VHS tapes at a store? Right now, rent Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom and Cobra for just a dollar a day each. Do you remember when you kept a video store membership card in your wallet? Welcome to Blockbuster Video. Hollywood Video. We get what you want. The warehouse is entertainment. Relive the days when dead media was alive and kicking. This is Rental Return. Tales from the Video Store. My name is Amanda Stefaniak, and I worked at Osuzana Sunshine in Bossier, Manitoba, Canada, which was owned by my parents, Mel and Susan Stefaniak, from 1982 to 2004. Hi, I'm Christian McGalliard, and I worked at Coco Video in China Grove, North Carolina, from March of 1997 to January of 1998. And then later, I worked at Four Star Video in Granite Quarry, North Carolina, from February 2001 to December 2001. My name is Chris Tansky. I worked in the video department of a media play from 1995 to probably 2002, 2003. My name is Gary Keffer. I worked at the Blockbuster Video in Chesapeake, Virginia in the early 90s. I worked there uh, after graduating from high school in 93 and worked there for about uh, two and a half, almost three years. My name is John Paul Cupertino and I used to work for a place in Milwaukee called Bucky's Super Video around 1998. And shortly after that, I worked for a very brief stint at a Blockbuster in Milwaukee. Hey, my name is Preston Burt, and in 2000 through 2002, I worked at Blockbuster Video in Oxford, Mississippi. Hi, my name is Zach Shipley. I worked at uh, Blockbuster Franchise 290237 in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware in, gosh, like 1998 to 2000, somewhere around there. Episode 1, Meet the Heroes. So here's the question we want to start with here as we get to know your journey to working at the video store. So what are your earliest memories as a customer, as a renter from a video store? So earliest memories are kind of vague, but my family did start going to video stores in the 80s. I was born in 1980, so you know my earliest memories are probably like 85, 86. Probably one of my earliest memories is, is just going all the time with my dad. My dad he had a, a VHS player early on during its infancy. So whenever a video store would pop up in our town of uh, Rochester, New York, uh, he would become a member there. And we would just go to various uh, video stores around the area, just trying to find different movies. He was very much into horror films. And uh, those were the ones he usually uh, would rent. We didn't have cable TV. We were in a rural area. The, even though Hampton Roads in southeastern Virginia is not rural. Uh, the area where I grew up had uh, flying rights from the Navy. It wasn't suburban, it was pretty spread out, and so we just didn't have cable. Um, later, my family got Primestar when I was in high school. That was a big step up was to get satellite TV, but uh, video stores were our connection to, to entertainment. You either went to the movies and didn't pay the money or else you you know rented something, and it was a scramble every weekend to get to the video store and try to get the latest and greatest. So we had a, a independent store called Movie King. Uh, I imagine that was probably not a unique name. There's probably a hundred different like mom and pop video stores out there called Movie King. Uh, but our Movie King was uh, was the, kind of like across the street from where where I lived. Um, and 
it. In general, you'd only had like maybe one or two copies of any new release at a, at a given time. Well, my parents would go, and uh, we'd gotten a VCR when I was younger, and going in and just looking at box covers and. Back then, my parents were doing more picking of movies than I was, but I was always fascinated with. Sometimes, like my brain would run wild with looking at a box cover or the back of a box cover. And when I would get older and rent a movie uh, that may have not been able to rent when I was younger, like a rated R movie or something, it, it might not match up to what my imagination was. I remember a mom and pop shop that had the wood paneled walls. And、um, video was still so exciting and new, and you were looking around, and there were the Warner big boxes and all kinds of stuff. But the biggest memory I have from back then is the allure of the beaded curtains that led to a room that just said "Adults Only." Now, I didn't know what was behind there, but I knew it was off limits, and that made it exciting and mysterious. And I wanted to know what was back there. I never did figure that out at that particular store. So when I was young, I used to go to a video store called RSE Video and Nord Video in、uh, Bayview and Milwaukee, both suburbs of、uh, the Milwaukee County, and they would have the greatest displays and things hanging. I remember that it always seemed very cluttered and very available. Like you could see anything you want. There was nothing really hidden until later. That's when they had the bar doors on the adult section. But I remember there being always like standees and scary things for the horror movies,、uh, like Mary on Elm Street and Gremlins and things like that, hanging from the ceiling and in the aisleways that I would have to avoid as a small child. There was a convenience store about a block and a half down from my house that temporarily had movies for rent. And I'm not sure if like if that was something that you had seen, but. Being able to walk a block and a half from my house to a convenience store, they had a limited selection, but that was that was an early memory too. Before video rentals were how、uh, your dad was making some money, what was the situation with your family renting videos? Was there a local video store for you guys to go to? Actually, no.、Uh, they were the first ones in because、um, it was a small town. It's about forty-five minutes. Uh, northeast of the largest city in Manitoba, which is Winnipeg, so there was really nowhere even like it was a novelty, and they actually had a gift shop, so it was kind of like a dollar store setup, and they just for whatever reason、uh, bought a V like VCRs were really expensive at that time. They were like five hundred dollars, and they just took a chance because they also really liked movies, both of them. One of the first movies they ever went on a date together was Going South, that Jack Nicholson movie. So they always kind of like movies. So I think maybe that's why they took like they're like, well, if we can't make money on this stuff, at least we can watch movies ourselves. So basically, they bought this VCR and and just started a collection of VHS tapes and rented them out to the people. And then so basically, because nobody had a v,、uh, VCR, you would rent the VCR,、uh, rent a movie, and at that time, like. And it's weird for us to think now, within the age of Netflix, if you didn't see a movie in the theaters and it's not on TV, that's it. You're never going to see it again. Not until you mentioned it just now do, do I really think about how important the video store was to us. Because again, lived in a very rural area,、um, didn't have cable until, gosh, I was in my teens, you know. And you know, so I I I, I moved there when I was eight,、um, and even before that, I lived in a, a rural area of, of, of Virginia. It's like cable. Just wasn't something that like I knew anybody who who had、uh, people who lived like in town did, 
but yeah, we did we didn't have cable for the longest time. Even when we got cable, we just got like we got the most basic that gives us like broadcast stuff. Uh, in the and even broadcast TV was like we had a CBS and an ABC affiliate uh, back then. No Fox, NBC we could pick up from South Jersey. Uh, so unless it, so a clear night, it's fine. On a stormy night, not so great. And so, the, so like, and eventually we got cable. It's like, oh, we got we got a Fox station from Philadelphia, which is like 90 miles away. I was a, a Gen Xer. I mean, I remember my parents buying the first Betamax, uh, and we drove out to a store. Uh, the only place that rented them at the time. There were two locations. One was out in Virginia Beach uh, at Haygood Shopping Center. And it was an interesting little store because they sold grandfather clocks and projection TVs. And they had one little section of the store that you kind of stepped down and it was a little square, like side room uh, that sold movies. When we moved to um, Mississippi, where I, where I grew up most of my childhood, there was a, um, a mom and pop shop right next to a Domino's pizza that I could ride my bike to. And they had a five for five movie deal. So I'd stock up on lots of different things. Like every Friday, I mean, we 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 I'd rent a Nintendo game or uh, or, or or Sega Genesis or some, or, or whatever at the at, at the time, and we'd get like at least one or two movies like every single week. We were we were a real movie loving family. This uh, strip mall that I was that, that that the video store was in, uh, one end had the video store, the other end had like Chinese food, and then like the, the middle there was, was a pizza place. So like that was our Friday night. We just the routine was just to go to uh, go to the video store and then pick up like some some takeout food and you know we just we'd watch a movie that night but uh, you know and then I'd have like obviously the game to probably play on on like the Saturday or Sunday uh, until I had to go back because he had like the one or two night rentals you know in those early days it was that that arms race between beta and VHS and beta is still arguably the better format but VHS won out and so the, there was this transition period but by that point you know you started to have local uh, local chains that would pop up, like we had the Video Express was one in the, in the Hampton Roads area, and later we had Errol's video that opened, uh, and we had those well before we had a Blockbuster. Uh, Blockbuster didn't come till later, uh, but definitely Blockbuster was VHS era 90s. In the 80s, that was the heyday, and uh, like tapes cost like $80, $90. I actually found some old receipts from it too uh, recently. It was crazy. Like they spent a lot of money and that's the thing. Like not a lot of people bought tapes. So because they were so expensive, there were like we for a long time, we had no competition in town. So it was pretty much until the, like the 80s, like by the time you get to like when E.T. came out on video, like that was the heyday. Like we actually hired staff. <laughs> That's how like things were going well. We could hire staff. It wasn't just my mom and dad and us working. Uh, we could actually hire staff. And so that's when it was it was pretty good. So I would say like from 87 to, yeah, probably like uh, mid 90s, uh, 94. So it was like really popping. People love it. Like it was that, like that's all the stuff that people remember today. Like going into a video store, renting the horror movies, all the crazy stuff. Um, it was so good in those days too. Like uh, we would just take a month off and go. We went to Disney World and Disneyland for family vacations. Oh, yeah. So that, but then if you know how things uh, things go up, they have to come down. So uh, the ninety, like once DVD came out, uh, satellite TV really especially in a small town, just was like, it was horrible when satellite came to, to basically, uh, and it was like, I think it was, like, yeah, like there would be almost like the illegal American satellite 
which was kind of like in that's a kind of a Canadian thing in the 90s it was a, it was a, a whole a whole thing that was happening and uh, yeah we like business dropped off like quite quite uh, quickly well my parents and their friends uh, we grew up you know I guess we were sort of like middle maybe lower middle but where they did spend their money was they got cable so we had we had HBO and Cinemax growing up and then we had rental movies so what would happen is if we rented something and liked it then it came on HBO and Cinemax we would record it um, and then have those tapes but I yeah you know as, as much as people talk about video stores I feel like the cable movies that you discover on cable um, that's kind of an unsung part of movie history that doesn't really get as much attention is like the movie just one of the guys like I had never rented just one of the guys but when I got a little older that came on like Cinemax one day when I came home from school and I really liked it and I've watched it here and there ever since but I thought cable was great for discovering movies that you may not have seen the box cover or maybe your local video store didn't carry the movie it's a good way to discover stuff and, and you never knew back then like Something like just one of the guys is like this well-written, well-directed, like there's there's good stuff there. But then you also had like Ski School 2, which might have a similar cover to it. And, and being a kid or something, you never know the difference between what's going to be smutty. And I don't say that derogatory at all. I like all kinds of movies. But yeah, especially back then, your, your mom looking at just one of the guys doesn't know it's not Ski School 2 or something. What would you say are some of your top rentals from that period? I remember renting like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle cartoons and things like that, but it was uh, but yeah, I remember getting stuff from that store. But the big thing, like the, the reason we were excited to have like a blockbuster, so to speak, is because I knew blockbuster stocked like like 30, 40 copies of any new release, so you wouldn't you didn't have to wait weeks on end to rent Batman or something or or, or a new James Bond movie or something that was really hot. I can always remember I would rent My Pet Monster, the live action movie, over and over again, and Muppet Weird Stuff. And the real Ghostbusters Knock Knock was another one I would rent to quite a bit. Whenever I would go, I would always get to pick whatever I want. My parents would go in one section and I'd browse the rest. I was never really restricted from what I could get. I could just pick out a movie. And typically it was always something kind of creepy, but nothing too adult yet. I remember particularly getting introduced to the Toxic Avenger when I was about 10 years old because my mom looked at the back of it and it had that it was not rated. So in her mind, that meant it was okay, PG, whatever. <laughs> so I'm glad she didn't watch that movie with me, but I was, needless to say, blown away. Texas Chainsaw Massacre is the one that stands out the most uh, because it just looked horrifying. Uh, <laughs> I was actually late to the party on that one because I was so scared of it going in. Uh, but my dad knew I could handle certain movies. Uh, I saw Halloween at a young age. Uh, and that box cover is just iconic. I mean, not horror. You're talking Flash Gordon sticks out or Raiders of the Lost Ark. Any of those early 80s box covers, they usually would do them up well. When as you got more towards the 90s, they were just kind of lazy <laughs> covers. So I really cherished the, the, the old covers because they, they took some effort. They sometimes didn't even use poster art. They would hire a new artist to come up with new stuff, a la Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Once things like G.I. Joe the movie or Transformers the movie or Masters of the Universe, uh, I think we rented Arthur um, a few times, the Dudley Moore movie. But, but at that age, if I was being given a choice, generally action movies or sometimes cartoons, like I found a Spider-Man cartoon 
that was from the 60s uh, that had like three episodes on it, and I would rent that. Comedies like Police Academy movies, things like that. It's really strange because I do have these kind of vivid memories of like eating like a Winnie the Pooh cereal or like strawberry shortcake, some 80s cereal, and watching Class of 1984 on our in-store TV, which doesn't seem like <laughs> wrong for so many reasons. But I don't think I was actually watching it. I was probably just, you know, like there was no like, you know, kind of stuff happening. Um, but there w and two, the other thing I, re I think I did realize that I was really lucky to have basically my own personal library because I do remember some of the, the tapes that I watched over and over again were things like uh, Raggedy Ann and Andy's musical adventure, uh, which for a long time was not available on any other format except for uh, video. And then too, like you could just, uh, there was a lot, like a lot of cartoon stuff. Um, but yeah, I would say like Raggedy Ann and Andy was actually like, thinking back about it, like that was my, I didn't want anybody else to rent that movie. I just wanted to watch it myself. <laughs> I remember seeing, uh, you know, you would see movies like The Shining and you would see uh, The Fog and, you know, things that were of that time. Uh, some of the first movies that we rented that I remember seeing uh, came when we went to a second video store that we had in Chesapeake. Uh, that was again they were mom and pop at the time uh, but we rented tex the disney movie tex with matt dillon and the last unicorn uh, the animated film and uh, those are the first two that i remember sitting down to watch uh, on my parents betamax machine the one that sticks out in my mind was mega man x on super nintendo it was a game i rented several times never owned i don't know why like i i, I rented it once and then like i kind of played through it and then i rented it again and then like maybe a three or four months later there was the the, the cheat code or the or the tip to get to be able to have Mega Man do the Hadouken move from Street Fighter was in a magazine, so I read it again in order to just do that one thing. It seems ridiculous that I would like I probably spent like even back then the rental wasn't cheap. It was like five or six bucks each time. Yeah, you know, probably edged, but the video game cartridges were also like seventy to eighty bucks at the time. You don't think about how much more expensive video games were then than they are now. Uh, it's a real, lux a real luxury item to, to get a new game. The nice thing about being in a small town is you kind of know the people. And there were just some customers that all they would rent was westerns. And uh, this one customer, he lived kind of up north, so he had to like, probably almost 45 minutes just to get to our store. And you know how people, like, usually stores have that, like, return policy, like, late fees and all this. Because my dad knew this guy, he's like, oh, you can just take a move, like, take these movies for a month and don't worry about it. So, like, that's the benefit of, I think, uh, having a small town. So this one guy, I remember really just, I'm like, this guy is so interesting. He would just rent, like, 20 to 30 Westerns, all the John Wick. He must have rented all the movies that we ever owned on Western. Like, it was just crazy. And he would just take them for a month. Take off, like, two, I remember two, like, plastic bags, like, full of, like, and, you know, those video cases aren't that light yeah. so he had like probably 20 you know like 10 10 in each hand of like just westerns and he would just go off for a month come back get a bunch of new ones and then he you know he it was it was really interesting yeah it's interesting as a kid i remember yeah. and I, I was fortunate my parents to take me to movies that you know the theater experience is still important and still is to this day back to the future and tron and gremlins and you know, things like that that just really shaped the 80s. Uh, it had, you know, E.T., such a, a pop culture uh, moment, standing in line to see Return of the Jedi. I mean, I remember that stuff. Those are those are childhood memories. So part of it, you know, going to the video store was trying to find something 
that was like that or to find those movies. Um, oftentimes, that was just because there wasn't anything to watch. I mean, we had four channels, right, with rabbit ears. You were more than happy to sit down and scare yourself to death watching uh, Watcher in the Woods or Something Wicked This Way Comes. Um, if, if you could catch a James Bond movie uh, and watch that with, you know, my dad was a, a big James Bond fan. And I think that's, I remember just watching those movies as a kid. So picking those up, it was that action comedy when you can get it. Of course, parental controls were a little different than it was mom's ability to check the rating and then run up and turn off the uh, TV if she didn't like what she was hearing or seeing. You know, I'd go for the action stuff. I love best of the best. I love sci-fi. There were some really obscure ones that were even back then, I recognized that they were really cringy, but I couldn't look away. And these were the ones that didn't get a theatrical release or anything. There was one movie in particular that I remember called Little Marines. And I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it was basically a, an independently financed movie about some kids traipsing around these woods and neighborhoods in like Missouri or Arkansas. And it was just so random and weird, but at the same time, it mirrored real life of us riding around on our bikes and things like that. So I remember that. And of course, renting the movie Rad and things like that. What do you remember about how those mom and pop stores were set up? Like when you walked in, what can you visualize in your mind? They were pretty standardized. I, I'm wondering if each video store got like blueprints of how to set everything up, just with the different genres and the frayed carpet and they always had that one they had the smell to it and then of course i mean not to be crass but uh, you had the, the the adult section uh which varied from curtain to beads to uh saloon door yeah. yes <laughs> <laughs> which was always that forbidden you know what's you know and as we all know that that industry helped buoy uh the vhs tapes <laughs> um actually i found a uh, we had a home video from 1984 i dug out so in 1984 at that point they were already like there was movie posters everywhere there's like an osterman weekend poster on the wall and the, the clip but there were like there's a rack of sunglasses and a little it looks like keychains or something so they did were like kind of selling stuff on the side and the funny thing is too i think and my dad was kind of like like we love grad sales and things like he always liked collecting things and yeah, like making money too. So he would like buy stuff and, you know, if he thought he could make money on the side, like, you know, you have your store, you have your main business of renting videos. Well, uh, why don't we sell like trading cards, which we started doing in the 90s and comics we started doing in the 90s. So like, it really was like we were a primary video store, but also a small town. There's not much to do. So you might as well like sell some stuff on the side. It's, it's interesting because I, I remember, uh, I remember so clearly, I mean, there's just, when you went in, there was always, in uh, different ones that you know, ran different ways, you would have like the, the true mom and pops were really, you know, I'm sure operating on a shoestring budget uh, with thin margins because at the time we, you know, we forget how expensive movies were at that time. Whether you're buying Betamax or VHS, I mean, you could spend hundreds of dollars on, on a single tape at that time. And so going to the video store, uh, you know, these, these people had invested and it was their family business. So it wasn't just a hobby. So going in there, we had, uh, the homemade racks with the wooden shelves and the, the movie would be behind it. You take it to the counter. Others would use the tag system where they would uh, put a little nail in the wall with a little tag and a number and you would take the number up and it would correspond with the movie and they'd put it in the plastic case and, and let you rent it that way. And they were all early inventory management systems, early retail systems that you saw all taking shape. 
as we got into the, the earlier, you know, into the 80s more and things began to standardize, uh, we had a, a store called Video Express that was really more of an experience wherein they would have, uh, especially the one at Providence Shopping Center in Virginia Beach, had uh, popcorn. They would sell flavored popcorn inside there and they started to sell candy and, and snacks and stuff inside there. So it always smelled like popcorn when you went in. But I, I remember very clearly, that was the first time that I ever saw Boy George was on a poster because they had a video that I guess was out of the time for Culture Club. And they had one for Devo and one for Boy George in Culture Club. And uh, when you're a kid and you're like seven or eight years old and you see Boy George for the first time, uh, there was uh, just cultural dissonance. So over the years, we had three different locations. So our first, uh, the first one in the 80s, so I'm going to say this is probably 82 to 80, probably 85 or so. Uh, we were on like the main drag of like, like basically the main street. It was called Park Avenue. And actually it was right beside a movie theater. So that was when I first was like four or five years old. And like we would go to work with my mom, but on Saturdays, that afternoon matinees would happen. So my sister would be like, and I would go to the, mo the movie theater next door to the video store. So it was like m even more crazy, mind blowing, nice. But then from uh, after like the mid 80s, we were in another location. But the final location that we were basically from 1988 till 2004, it was a huge, long building. It was an unusual setup. And my dad uh, did not sell any movies that we did not have a double for. So or he never cut cases either. If you rented a movie, we would have the the actual paper sleeve or the, the clamshell case or whatever it may be empty on the on the shelf out front and then someone would bring it back and we would get the Amory case with the VHS tape and they would just get that. It wouldn't be like, you know, on Blockbuster or whatever, you have that hard shell and that's all you get. We kept the, the paper cover with us and we didn't cut it because we didn't want anybody to hurt it. So we had a lot of display area for all the cases and because we never sold anything really, uh, we just kept on building this crazy big library and I don't know exactly how many tapes we had at the end uh, in 2004, but it was at least, uh, I want to say at least 20,000 like unique titles. And that's including like stuff like single episodes of like Star Trek, you know, mm -hmm. and Star Trek, like we had, like those are counting that too, but they were unique titles. They weren't like doubles and it was it really was amazing, and I'm just so sorry that it's gone. On the next episode of Rental Return. Let's uh, ask this question. What made you want to work in a video store, given those experiences in the past? I was always wanted to have a job with being surrounded by movies. They were just hiring in general, I think, and I just asked if I could work there. We didn't hire staff at all. <laughs> so basically the only time we had staff was in the 80s when things were good. Otherwise it was just my dad, my mom, and myself working. Blockbuster was open until midnight every day of the week. And so for somebody who was starting college, and especially somebody who was gonna be an English major, it was ideal. Yeah, I've been thinking about since, you know, we were gonna do this, like what was made me wanna do that. And it was just something I wanted to do, but I think it was probably from growing up watching and, and just enjoying and wanting to be around movie. Connect with our video heroes on Twitter by clicking on the links provided in the show notes. Rental Return is created by Adam Pope and produced by Jason Gross in association with The Retro Network. If you're a former rental store employee and want to chronicle your experiences on an upcoming season, message Adam on Twitter at Hoju Coolander. 
or send an email to jason at theretronetwork.com. Avoid late fees by subscribing to Rental Return in your favorite podcast app and by following at TRN Social on Instagram and Twitter featuring pictures provided by our video heroes. Join us again next time for another episode of Rental Return, Tales from the Video Store. This has been a presentation of the Retro Network.